welcome back to another episode of Closing the Loop. My guest today is John Amuni, co-founder and CEO of Canadian Bitcoin exchange, ShakePay. Started in 2015, ShakePay has become one of the most popular ways to buy Bitcoin in Canada, with $7 billion in transaction volume and over 1 million Canadians signed up to the platform. As you'll hear in this discussion, while their current focus is on making it as easy as possible for Canadians to accumulate Bitcoin, they have much bigger aspirations of ultimately replacing the legacy banking system in Canada, recreating the financial system on top of Bitcoin, and ushering in what they call the quote, Bitcoin golden age in the process. Enjoy. We're live. Jean, thank you for joining me for this discussion. We uh, haven't sat down for a while. I think when we did one on my podcast, it was like 2019, maybe or early 2020, something like that. That's been a while. It's been a while. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny because uh, that video is on our website, uh, like on our on our careers page. And so, what uh, is you know, the it, interview? Yeah, the interview with uh, with you on uh, <laughs> you know your your personal pod. And uh, yeah. and so it's funny because when we when we do interviews with um, with candidates, it frequently gets uh, quoted or cited, or when people talk about like the things we were talking about in 2019, which feels feels a little bit I don't know outdated in some way, but Excited oh, to, feel, to be here. It, fe yeah. it feels like ages ago. It's crazy how, I mean, I guess as you get older, time accelerates, but Bitcoin time is a complete, like, it just feels like a time warp. You know, it feels like that was a decade ago. So much has happened since. For sure. And, you know, even, uh, you know, 2019, you know, uh, ShakePay, the company that, that I work at, um, was, was very much in its early days. You know, John, like, I, to be honest, like, I, I didn't know of you. Uh, back then you, you weren't this celebrity that you are today. Feels like, uh, feels like, uh, you know, there's yeah, been right. a big jump, uh, uh, you know, since so. Yeah. Well, you're, that's a somewhat of a ridiculous comment, but the real jump has <laughs> been in, in shake pay and what you guys have been doing because, um, I guess we'll just jump in, but you guys have been seemingly exploding in growth. I, I think you've recently hit a million users. You just closed some funding. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting about you guys is that you're so under the radar. And I think that's maybe for two reasons. One is that you're in Canada and Canada doesn't, you know, get as much eyeballs on it as uh, the U.S. certainly and, and certain European countries. But also you guys are, are pretty quiet. You know, you don't produce a lot of content. You're not out there uh, cheerleading a bunch. It seems like you're just completely focused on making the product as good as you can and letting that kind of speak for itself. So, you know, why don't you give us the, for people that don't know you or ShakePay, why don't you give me the, the intro and then kind of bring us up to speed of where you guys are at today? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, ShakePay allows Canadians to buy and earn Bitcoin. I mean, that's the, that's the tagline, right? Um, you know, we started a couple of years ago, uh, the product that you see today exists since, I don't know, 2018. So maybe about a year, year or so after we, before we started chatting. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really, really simple. You know, we've built it, uh, you know, I think there was a press article. Like we, uh, we built it for my mom, essentially, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, you know, there was, there was, uh, there were a bunch of platforms in Canada. It was very, very difficult to actually buy Bitcoin. You had to wire transfer money to like Japan or Poland. Um, you had to wait like a month to get your like KYC verification to go through. And, um, I wanted to get my mom buying some Bitcoin. And so, uh, you know, we, we kind of built an app. It was super simple. Uh, you know, interactive transfer is like the way that Canadians transact in, in Canada. It's, you know, it's a, 
I don't know, some, some way to like email money between banks uh, in Canada. It's, it's, a, it's like a banking native feature that was, uh, that's been around for a while. And so Canadians were somewhat used to it and, and we integrated directly into it. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, in just a couple of clicks, customers can just sign up to the ID and, uh, and buy some Bitcoin. And I think, you know, I think it's like one of the fastest someone's gone from like sign up to like owning Bitcoin in a wallet they control on the blockchain through ShakePay was like less than three minutes. Which uh, wow. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if any other platform can do that. So, um, so I mean that's I think I think yeah that's that's a high level here. You know the, the focus of the company is obviously on on the Canadian market, and um, yeah, like you said, uh, last couple of years have been quite great. Over a million customers on on ShakePay today. And- I think when we last spoke in Miami, the figure was six billion. But I think maybe I, I read recently that you you guys have processed seven billion dollars in transactions. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Something like that's that. That's a fairly seems like a fairly big milestone for a uh, a Canadian Bitcoin company. Yeah, um, I uh, you you see these numbers and they just they just kind of pop <laughs> off the charts and it's it's obviously so it's it's it's, it's overwhelming to be quite mm-hmm. honest. Um, you know, a million customers. There's like 37 million, 38 million Canadians. It's over two percent of Canada on ShakePay. Um, you know, it's it's been surreal. Uh, you know, in some way, like I'm, I'm a bit speechless, uh, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, we started, you know, this really was like two, two founders in a basement, um, you know, wanting to make the world better by making Bitcoin somewhat more accessible. And, uh, you know, now we're, we're a real company and, you know, tons of customers and $7 billion in, in transaction volume is, I don't know, it's, it's, it's always hard to just look back and, and see, wow, what, a, you know, what a success we've been since, since sure. the start. Uh, I want to get in more, get more into that, but. You guys started, you know, again, for context for people that aren't familiar with you guys, but you guys started as a means of using Bitcoin to pay like normal payments, like a a kind of preloaded debit card sort of business. Right. So give me the like, what was the genesis? And then when did you guys switch from being like, oh, no, the the thing here is to help people accumulate Bitcoin. Yeah. Early days, you know, uh, so so Roy and I started, I mean, we were just uh, we were grabbing beer at a uh, at a at a bar and I uh, just wanted to pay for Bitcoin using, sorry, you just pay for our, our beer using Bitcoin. And uh, so we go to the, we go to the, uh, you know, we go to the waitress and say, Hey, you know, how do I pay using Bitcoin? She has no idea what we're talking. This is 2015. No idea what we're talking about. And, um, you know, back then the, the story around the narrative around Bitcoin was, you know, internet money, right? It was less store value. It was more, you know, internet money. We want to send money to people, right? It was, it was a very charitable cause, you know, tip jar, all that. And you wanted, mm. you wanted everyone to just have some Bitcoin. And, uh, and so, yeah, back then, you know, we wanted to be these like digital nomads, right? I could, I had some Bitcoin. I wanted to use it, you know, wherever I could, I could, I could go. And, and so that was kind of the story of, of ShakePay. Let's call it V1 ShakePay 2015. And, um, and, uh, and then I think over time, you know, things changed, you know, we, we hit the 2017 bubble and I think for us, it started clicking. You know, it's funny. Cause like maybe in some way we weren't real Bitcoiners. I don't know. I don't, you know, what, what is the definition of a real Bitcoiner? <laughs> but, you know, maybe in some way we weren't real Bitcoiners because we wanted to spend our Bitcoin back then. It was not accumulate Bitcoin at all costs. And, um, and then I think something changed and maybe that was the flip. We no longer wanted to spend our Bitcoin. We stopped using our own product. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, certainly there were some hiccups along the way that, that like forced our hand away from this product. But, uh, you know, at some point after this 2017 bubble, we, um, you know, we, uh, we, we thought, you know, instead of 
instead of uh, instead of wanting to spend my Bitcoin, I, I just want to buy Bitcoin. I just want to accumulate Bitcoin, and uh, and so that's where you know ShakePay, as you see today, was was uh, was created. Why ShakePay? I don't know if I've asked you this before, but where's the name uh, come from? Shaking things up. <laughs> really? That's the genesis. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so when you guys made also didn't want it to be, you know, bit something or coin something, you know, I always felt that that was a bit too, I don't know if contrived is the right word, but it felt like it was too limiting. Right. You know, in Hmm. some way I think Bitcoin is, is, is a technology and you want people to adopt it. Um, and, uh, I, I always worry that, uh, you know, if it was like, you know, bit shake or whatever, um, it would, it would, it would be less of a, you know, it would be more catered to, uh, uh, you know, the early adopters as opposed to, you know, trying to bring ShakePay or, or Bitcoin mainstream. Yeah. Well, I wonder if, if that has, you know, because a lot of people, maybe it's probably starting to change now or definitely is, but in the early days, a lot of people might've even been turned off by the, like the prefix bit, you know, cause just, cause people were scared of, of Bitcoin or they thought it was for bad guys and stuff like that. So maybe that helped like, uh, make ShakePay more accessible to a mainstream user earlier than yeah. some of the other services. Yeah, it's like ICO this or NFT that, right? You know, and these, right. days, you know, it's maybe the more modern uh, equivalent. So when you guys made the pivot to, you know, basically being a, an exchange, and I think, you know, it's funny because back in the day when new exchange products start, or let's say Bitcoin purchasing products started popping up, part of me was like, what's the point? Like there's, you already have all these exchanges. You have Kraken and Poloniex and Coinbase Coinbase and all this stuff. And it's like, I thought that market was kind of wrapped up, but one, I mean, those places are, you know, uh, I don't think those are suitable for 99.9% of people because they're focused on like, you know, active traders. And not only are they not suitable because most people are going to lose all their money by doing that, but it's just like, it's confusing and it's complex and, you know, you don't know, are you supposed to make a limit order or this order? And it like, it's just, you know, it's not very user-friendly for a mainstream audience. And then we've seen the emergence of exchanges that are far more simple that basically have the thesis that you just articulated, which is we just want to make it easy for people to buy Bitcoin. So when you guys started, what did you expect to be the market for this product? Like how, you know, what was your, the TAM that you guys were, were thinking about and, you know, pitching, I guess, to yourselves? Cause I don't think you raised money early on. Did you? We, um, yeah, we, we raised money in 2017. So this is before the pivot. Um, I, there's a, there's a slide somewhere. Um, I think, I think our TAM was we'll get a million customers and they'll buy $500 of Bitcoin a year or something. And, and that's a big market. And, um, but, but, but I think, I think the way we went about it was more like, this is, this is like the change we want to see in the world. Um, you know, I think, I, I think there's, there's a few ways about going about like how to build a business. You know, one is, you know, there's, uh, there's like the top down way. Oh, you know, this, this thing could be done better. Um, you know, if we do this, this way, we'll get like 1% of the slice and we'll aim for that or something. And then the other way is, you know, we, we think the world could be better. We want this to exist in the world and we'll find a way to get people to use it. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I guess in, in the, in the startup, uh, in the startup world, there's a, there's a, there's a meme around this where it's, you know, you're, you're like a film director, right? Like you, you have a hypothesis of your script, you know, you hire the actors, you, uh, you, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you film the movie, you, you, you know, you edit it and then you publish it and, uh, you know, you don't, 
somewhat iterate your way across the way there. You have a hypothesis of what this beautiful movie is going to look like and you build it mm -hmm. and then you market it. So, so people come and watch it. And, uh, and I think, I think it was more along those lines, you know, we saw this world that we wanted to live in and we built it and, and, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get into some of the marketing things that we've done at ShakePay, but, uh, you know, certainly it's, it's, uh, you know, how do we get people to think about Bitcoin the same way that we do? And, uh, and I think that's, what's attracted a lot of people in, into Bitcoin. How have Shake you Bay. done that? You know, how have you gotten people to see what Bitcoin, I mean, I see you're wearing a shirt that says to the Bitcoin golden age. And I've seen that, uh, language or phrase in some of your materials and website, uh, recently, which I love and we, we can definitely get into, but how <clears throat> you're selling a product that you guys think is going to change the world that you're extremely passionate about. How did you go about sharing that passion or, or getting others to see it the same way that you guys have, i.e., you know, attracting customers? Well, it, it's quite easy, right? Like you're, you're selling Bitcoin, right? <laughs> it's of, the easiest uh, thing in the world to sell. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in, uh, in some ways there's, uh, so, so there's external factors, right? You know, when the price goes up, you know, it's, it's in the media, people talk about Bitcoin, et cetera. And so you see this, you know, you see this mass of people coming, uh, uh, coming to, uh, to congregate around Bitcoin. Um, I, uh, you know, I think, I think, I think the other, so, so what we, what we had, a, like our insight early on as to how to address that side of you know, how we get customers was, okay, you know, 2018 was the bear market. Um, if we can get, if we can get the people that are interested in Bitcoin during the bear market to like ShakePay, uh, when the, when the bull market comes, you know, they're, they're those weird people, right. That talk about Bitcoin at every family dinner. Um, there are those people that uh, everyone else comes to and says, Hey, you know, where, where do I buy Bitcoin? And so if we can get them to recommend ShakePay when, when they come coming, um, uh, that was, uh, that was, that was somewhat like the, that was some of the thought early days. Um, after that, I think what we tried to do, well, we, we, we've done a bunch of things. Um, you know, this, this one that you probably see on Twitter is uh, you call shaking sats. You know, we, we, uh, it started out as a, it started out as a, uh, uh, an April Fool's tweet. So uh, just one day we just posted, say, "Hey, you know, open your open the ShakePay app, shake your phone, and you'll get some free Bitcoin." And obviously, we got some people. And then we were we we're thinking, you know, what if we actually built this? Um, and uh, and so we built it. it. Was maybe a couple months later, we built it, launched it, didn't tell anyone. And a customer comes to our customer support team and says, "Hey, like I dropped my phone, uh, and I got some free Bitcoin. Like I think something's wrong with your app." <laughs> and uh, we're like, "No, no, it's okay. You know, it's, you found you found the uh, you found the Easter egg." And uh, and it just grew. You know, we it's an unannounced feature. Like it's still somewhat a, an Easter egg today. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's grown to uh, to uh, you know people shaking at at the breakfast table, and you know it's like this ritual. People have you know calendar events every day, set an alarm every day. Um, they, uh, you know, they have, uh, we've heard, we've heard like, you know, people having like, uh, uh, like a, like a WhatsApp group just to remind their friends, Hey, you should shake today. And, uh, I think there was, there was one, there was one tweet that I really, really liked. It's like, uh, you, you could tell it was a tweet or like a message that was sent to our, to our, cust our customer support it was something like, um, you, you could tell by how well put together your life is by how long your shake base streak is. Your shake streak. Yeah. Which is funny, but, uh, yeah, there's some truth to it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And, you know, as you're saying this, I find it serendipitous almost that that feature or that gimmick, that Easter egg, you know, had nothing to do with your naming of the company, but it just ended up being such a perfectly 
appropriate like marketing thing to do given the namesake but also given the product and you know that you're selling which is bitcoin i mean who who's not going to be just overjoyed by the fact that they get to shake their phone and get some sats every day i mean it's like i mean i'm a perfect example like and at this i remember when it was when i had a streak and i was getting 10,000 sats per shake which is yeah, like early days. just mind blowing right now you know so now because i this is another part of, of the the issue. I've heard this a lot, and it was happening to me. I went hunting. Uh, yeah, the camping, <laughs> the camping, and you and you break the streak, and you're like, it's devastating, right? Because you're used to getting like a thousand plus sats per shake, and then you go, you drop right back down to a hundred, and you, you know, like even though it's like, what's the difference, like a, a buck or a buck fifty or whatever it is today, but it's just like it's sats, right? It's not you're no longer thinking in dollars. Like, sure, you. You, you don't get a dollar a day, you know, big whoop. You don't get, you know, a thousand sats a day. It's like uh, th that meme where like uh, the kid is like yelling at the sky or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's just like the most horrible thing. So it, it's it, absolutely brilliant, man. And it's it's such a great way to make the, the product sticky and to have people coming back and to be checking for updates and be reminding them to buy Bitcoin. I mean, it must have been a huge success for you guys. Well, I mean, it obviously costs money, right? This yeah, is, how, uh, how much know, Bitcoin have you given away? <laughs> oh, I don't have the number, but it's a lot. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because, it, you know, on the surface, like it, it feels like it's just a, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a cost. Like, what, you know, first order effect, like it's, you're just giving people money to shake. There's no, there's no direct value for shake pay. But it's these like second and third order effects that, uh, that have gotten people to, you know, hey, you know, you can get some free Bitcoin if you shake your phone. Oh really? Yeah, it's on ShakePay, and, and you get that a lot. Um, mm. You know, I think I think what's funny is that, and and this is all this is all like uh, this is all in hindsight. I mean, there was I, I don't know I don't know if we thought about this like, going forward, but you know, in some way, like shaking your phone and your streak is like is like a proof of work in some way, right? You cannot falsify a ShakePay streak. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you when you show that you're you know you're seven hundred days on a streak, you know, respect. Yeah, respect. totally. Yeah. That's so, so true. Uh, it's funny. Yeah, my, it's fun. All all my family, my sis, my two sisters, and my father, like, are always bragging about their streak. Or they hit me up because they, you know, they were traveling and they missed a day and they're completely devastated. But it's it's, I'm sure that happens a lot, right? People like brag about their streaks, talk about their streaks, get people to to shake. It's it's brilliant. So what you know, what is the status of, of things now, you know, you've, you've reached a, a massive milestone, 1% or 2% you said of Canadians, right? Are on 2%. the platform. I saw actually, uh, before we go further with that, I saw yesterday or the day before that the bank of Canada estimated that something like, was it 30 plus percent of Canadians hold Bitcoin, which I find extremely hard 13. to believe, but you 13, 13, 13, even that I kind of find a stretch, but what, what are your thoughts on, on those numbers? I really don't know. Um, 13%. It, I, I find it, I find it very hard to gauge, you know, been in this for a while now that, uh, you know, my surroundings are, it's saturated with Bitcoin already. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think in the, in the 2017 bubble, it always felt that, uh, everyone was into Bitcoin then. Right. And those numbers were much, much smaller back then. We're talking maybe 1% or something. Um, I find it really, really hard to gauge from the outside, just given that, uh, 
it's it's you know we're we're so we're your, so into your it. Your whole life is Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah you know it's I, you know my 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 um yeah I, I I think I think it's just I find I find it so hard right you know you know those those touch points where you know you go to you know you go to a party or whatever and and you know the 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 average person's talking about Bitcoin um that's that's certainly gone up but I always find it hard to quantify okay but like is it because it's a tech event. Is it because it's uh, you know? Is it because it's it's a younger crowd? Um, I, I don't know what thirteen percent means. Yeah, it's. I definitely get the sense it's growing, but that that seems like a bit of a stretch to me. But who knows if it's if it's right? That's great. Um, you guys, <clears throat> have you guys ten xed uh, your volume in the last year, roughly something like that? Did I see that recently? Um. 10x yeah should be should be about that you know it's come down obviously since uh since uh, the price has come down but uh you know 2021 versus 2020 was was certainly a 10x what do you do with that kind of result or information because it's a spectacular scenario of course and the trajectory it puts you on is well, I mean, you, you you can't do a few, you can't do more than a few 10Xs without being, you know, a dominant company in the category, in the industry, even in, you know, in the market that you're in generally. So what do you attribute that rapid growth to and, and, you know, how do you sustain it, I guess? Well, I think, I think the first part is, you know, have a good product, right? I mean, this is, this is classic startup lingo, right? Make sure that your retention is high, right? So every customer that you're acquiring, they're staying on ShakePay, not to have a leaky bucket. Um, and so I, I think, I think by nature, uh, you know, this is what we're really, really good at, you know, we're, we're a very product driven company and certainly early days, it's, uh, it's easy when you're a small team to, to, you know, to, to, to have those like sh- shorter, feed- sh- shorter feedback loops to building a great product. And so I think it was January 6, 2021, um, I think that's when the, you know, the price of Bitcoin jumped 20% or something like that. And that was like the start of the, of the, of the fiasco, um, or the mayhem or whatever. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, in some way it's a, it's a very cyclical business. You, you know, you can't, you can't somewhat predict when, uh, when, when these things happen and, um, you know, when, when, when volumes, I think they like tripled overnight or something like that. And, uh, and when that happens, uh, everything breaks, everything <laughs> breaks. And it's, you know, at some point, um, you know, referrals break. So customers referring their friends, not getting compensated and that's bad. And you are trying to, you know, trying to fix it. Um, you know, at some point we have, uh, you know, customer support tickets coming in it's the order of magnitude, you know, it's like a order of magnitude or two more, uh, than it was the week before. And at some point you have like 50,000 unanswered tickets. Um, 30,000 unanswered tickets. And, uh, and there's, there's only a handful of customer support agents. What what do you do? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's quite hard. It's quite hard to, it's quite hard to somewhat forecast, you know, how, how to build the company so that you can sustain these, these wild jumps. And, uh, you know, it's a very different business than the SaaS software, right? SaaS is, you know, very, very predictable revenue. Right. You know, if you have the right metrics, you could forecast three, six, 12, you know, uh, even a couple of years down and, and it's, and it, it'll be quite right. Whereas, uh, you know, May to June last year, our revenues dropped like 60%, like volume dropped 60%. 
And, uh, and that's not easy, right? It's not easy to, it's not easy to use that as information. But I think what's interesting is, you know, as, as we get more customers, you know, we get more ability to build new products, right? Um, you know, as a company gets more successful, um, as we, as the company has more capital, we're able to more, we're, we're able to better invest in the future. And so, you know, product that we launched a couple months ago was this card, right? The ability for you to spend your dirty fiat, earn Bitcoin cashback, um, is, uh, is somewhat the start of where we see the company going. And, um, in some way it's, it's replacing your bank account. I think, uh, you know, I think in Canada where we have these like five big banks and They've been around for hundreds of years. You know, BMO's been, uh, been, uh, is a 1812, I think, is, is when they were founded. Um, this is, uh, this is before Canada existed. And, um, and they're still here. And, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have online banking in Canada. Uh, you know, if you, send a, if you want to send a wire transfer, you still need to go to the branch and have a discussion with a person. Here's my information. It's on a piece of paper. They then, you know, type it in. And so, um, you know, Canadians are, are somewhat behind here. Um, and we're what, 20 years into the internet and they still, you know, they still don't have two FA. It's uh, it's somewhat ridiculous. And so, you know, we see this as an opportunity to, uh, rebuild consumer financial services, but on top of Bitcoin, which means on top of the internet. Right. And, um, and so that's what we're doing. And so, you know, with the card, you know, the ability to spend, right. You no longer need a credit card, debit card with a bank. You earn, you earn the best cashback, not air miles. You earn Bitcoin. And, uh, and so you'll start seeing more of that with shake pay, just reducing your need for, uh, for a traditional bank account. But, uh, but instead of having one built on Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, that can't happen soon enough because, <clears throat> excuse me, as you said, financial services and banking in Canada is so God awful. I mean, you reference e-transfers, you know, when we started, I mean, that's like the height of innovation in banking in Canada. And it's basically emailing your friends money still, you know, and that's the it was launched before the millennium. Yeah. 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 And it's so, <laughs> it's, it's so basic. And, yeah. and I mean, and banking fees in Canada are crazy. If you want to close an account, you have to be there in person. You can't do it online. I mean, it's so archaic and you know, my, I was having this conversation with my dad the other day because, you know, he, we were both like, why can't we just use ShakePay as our primary bank? You know, cause you can hold CAD balances. You can transfer CAD between ShakePay, uh, users. As you said, you have the card where you can spend, you get sats back, you shake, you buy Bitcoin. I mean, it's, it's almost there. I don't, <clears throat> as far as I know, you can't receive like salary deposits and stuff like that to shake pay. So you have, you need a bank account for that and then you can send money to shake pay. But, uh, I think a lot of people are clamoring for that because it's the pieces are seemingly starting to come together where shake pay will be able to replace like a traditional Canadian bank account, but have all the functionality that you actually want. And just as a final piece on that, like when you guys prior to launching the card, my, one of my sisters and my dad were like super enthusiastic about it, right? Because they, they wanted to get sats back on their purchases. And so they were part of these groups that were just sending that, I think it was five bucks back and forth, you know, to your (laughs) sats tag or shake tag um, tag. so that you could bump yourself up the line. And they were always sending me like, you know, their status in the line and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And it was, 
it was brilliant for two reasons. One, <clears throat> again, making the app sticky and getting people excited about it, but also it it made it very clear to a lot of people how easy it was to send Canadian dollars to one another. You know, because they, you know, people in Canada had are not accustomed to it being so easy to send money back and forth when you can just put in their shake tag and send them five bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever you want. I think it was like for a lot of people an epiphany, like, wow, this is way better than my traditional banking experience. So I think you guys kind of got, you know, a twofer on that one where you got people excited about the card, but you also got people to realize that this can be more than just buying Bitcoin. <clears throat> yeah, that was the idea. Uh, so, so we had P2P since the beginning and uh, it never really took off. And, and when we launched the card, you know, we're thinking, oh, how do we, how do we build a wait list, right? You know, waitlist out there it's generally put in you know put in your email address share this link and you you get bumped up and um you know in some way you you somewhat take inspiration from bitcoin right bitcoin is in some way like it, it's built like a, this insanely great incentive system between the different players in, in the system um i uh, i uh, and so and so we're thinking you know what what is it that we want we want people to do x what is it that customers want they want to go up the wait list. And so how do we, you know, how do we play with those incentives? And, um, yeah, you know, we, 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 we launched this thing, the, the, the wait list and, uh, didn't really expect, uh, didn't really expect it to take off, you know, just for, for the audience, uh, the way it worked was you, uh, you would get points on the wait list for every individual you would send $5 to per day. So, uh, if I send you $5 today, uh, I get some points. I do it again tomorrow. I get more points, and so on. And so you were incentivized to do this every day on the waitlist, and um, and it and it you know overnight. I think our our P two P volume went up ninety x something like that. Um, and uh, and then all these memes for, started forming. You know, it was called ping ponging because you would you would send five dollars to someone, they would send it right back because you were incentivized to. You would both get points, and so it created these groups. It, you know, it, and you had these groups on Discord. You had these groups on on WhatsApp, and it and it it took a life form of its own. And it's yeah. funny because it's funny because like early on, like the first day it launched, we're like, okay, should we police this thing, right? Like, should we stop these things from happening? It sh- it should only be the people that you know really well. And um, and uh, and and I think the conclusion was something like P two P should be for being able to pay anyone in Canada, people should be comfortable using it to, to pay anyone. And so let's see what happens. And, uh, and a lot of, a lot of customers, uh, a lot of customers were very honorable. Every, you know, you, uh, you know, everyone, you know, uh, there was just only a few bad apples. Um, but everyone was sending their money right back. And it was like yeah. this spontaneous community of, of people holding each other accountable. <clears throat> if someone in the community was not, you know, was not, was not was not sending the money back. Uh, they, uh, you know, the community came and uh, you know pushed them to, and 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 they sent it back. And um, anyway, I mean, you know, j- just well, to it's say, also uh, against it's against their incentive, right? If they actually want to get bumped up the list, then if if you stop sending the money back, then you're it's counterproductive to your goal, you know. And, and I yeah, didn't, but, I but didn't you also get, have money, right? The, you the, also what? The, you also get money, right? If you yeah, get but it's ten five people bucks. to send, yeah, if you get ten people to send you five bucks, right? Sure, sure. But it, what I thought was, I didn't get too crazy with it, like the people in Discord and like, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, a handful of people hit me up randomly on Twitter and they're like, hey, do you want to be like a <laughs> ping pong partner? And I was like, do I want to send five bucks to a stranger? And then I was like, eh, screw it. 
and I did it. And, you know, it's, it was an interesting trust experiment because every one of them just yes. kept ping ponging it back and forth with me. And I, you know, I never lost the five bucks and it, we, we got each other bumped up the list. It was, it was a really interesting and, and seemingly successful and clever promotion from you guys. And, and the difficulty was if you accepted to do that, um, that, you know, you could do it once and then the next day they would send that $5 to you with the expectation that you send it back. And now you have to send it back. So you send mm -hmm. it back and then they send it back to you the next day. And then you have to send it back because you have to be courteous. And so mm -hmm. it, it created this, it created a lot of work for people, I think. Um, well, it was funny but, too, because some, you know, like if a day went by when they didn't send it back, you'd be like, oh, have I just been rugged? Like, you know, did they just go off yeah. with it? And, and then it would come in like a day or two later, maybe you get a message on Twitter like, oh shit, sorry, man, I forgot. Or, you know, I wasn't around. It was, it was very cool. Um, so that kind of coincided, or maybe that was prior to, I think you guys, was it 44 million Canadian that you recently raised? Yeah, that's right. So what was the, the motivation behind, uh, raising money at this point? You know, things are going super well for you guys. What, what are you going to use that capital for? Yeah. I mean, high level, you know, last year, 2021 was a phenomenal year for the company. We, we, we've been profitable for a couple of years now and, um, the company's never been in a, in a better position. And so, you know, we're thinking to ourselves, can we, you know, can we really make a dent in the universe? Like, is this, is this, um, I, I guess, you know, at some point in, 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 in any like founder's journey is, you know, are you asking yourself, you know, where, where, where do you want to take this company? And, uh, and I think last year was that, that time. And we're, we're starting to answer that question. You know, the company hadn't raised tremendous amount of capital. And, uh, you know, for, for the, for the amount that we had raised and the success that we had, you know, uh, achieved you know, in some way, it was, it was a phenomenal result for everyone involved. And, um, and, uh, and so, you know, we could have stopped there and life would have been great. But, um, but the idea was, you know, I'm not ready to stop. You know, I, I see the problem. I see, you know, the, the, the benefit that we can give to the world by building great products and, um, and we want to go all the way. And so, you know, this is where we, um, so we clarified our, our, our mission, you know, ushering in the, the Bitcoin golden age, what we really wanted to do and, um, and use that to, uh, to go out and, and raise some capital and, and be able to compete with the big five, you know, with the big banks and, and truly replace them. And I think, you know, because we are a financial product, like it, it really is important to be well capitalized. It really is important to be able to take big risks in, uh, in how you build product. Um, and, um, and, uh, and, and raising money allows you to do that. It allows you to go faster. It allows you to take those bigger risks on, on product and, and, um, yeah. And it allows us to, to really go for it. Right. It allows us to, I think, increase the probability of actually ushering in this Bitcoin golden age. And we will break into that in a few moments, but was my impression is that the raise probably wasn't difficult for you guys, but was it's it? always difficult. You know, it's always difficult. Yeah. It's always in, difficult. In, ter in terms of getting the commitments or just the time to put it all together. Just the work you have to put in, you know, last time, last, um, last, um, last Miami, um, what's it called? Conference. The conference in 2021. Yeah. 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 So when we were, we were staying together, um, I was, uh, I was full in, uh, uh, fundraising. That was when I started. And so, you know, I was a oh, bit wow. less present. Yeah. I was a bit less present. Like I wasn't at all the, you know, all the conference events and, you know, somewhat, somewhat distracted away. And, um, 
and uh, and and it takes a lot of time. You know, I think I think it was from May till you know early September, uh, the whole process. And you know, I think uh, you know the company was doing great, and so we were able to go out and you know set set the terms and and be very specific about what we wanted. Um, you know, Matt, who joined our our board and and led the round with with QED. He's a, you know, he's an ex operator. He built a, you know, he previously built a fintech company. And, and so like he's done it before, right? I, I didn't want, I didn't want just, a, um, I didn't want just a, you know, a VC to put in some money. I wanted someone who could help bring us to, to the next level. And so, you know, very, very picky about who and, and what we wanted. And, um, you know, certainly didn't need to raise capital, but, uh, you know, if we had, if we had exactly what we wanted, uh, we would. And, and that was it. So, so yeah, I mean, that was, that's kind of in the timeline. It's, I it's remember, hard. It's, it's never, it's never easy. Right. I don't I think, know if you I were, think, Oh, good. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, uh, I was just going to say, um, Oh, now I lost it. Go you on. lost it. <laughs> yeah. I, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but, uh, we were, I, we were standing outside the conference hall at the 2021 conference and it was me, you and Greg Foss. And I, and I think Foss was saying something to the effect that like, you know, mining and energy and the exchanges and everything's going to be vertically integrated at some point. And like, you know, maybe we should talk or maybe something should be put together. And, and you were, you were basically saying, I don't want to sell out. Like I want to, I want to build this company and I believe in this company and I think we can build it to like a very big scale. And Foss was like, well, everybody has a price. And, (laughs) (laughs) and you were like, you know, no, I, I basically don't have a price. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm staying with this to build out what I think it can be. And it, I just, I don't know if, you, do you remember that conversation? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I think it was the first time I met Greg in person. Right. Yeah, he's a character. Um, you know, what, I, I, just, just, just one, just one point on this. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, I think, I think what, uh, you know, what's special about a company is that it allows you to, it allows you to leverage higher impact. Right. It's, you know, individually, you know, you can only accomplish so much, I think. Um, but in a company, right, company really means, you know, the people around you. Um, you know, if, if a company is, is working towards a shared mission that, that everyone believes in, you know, you're, you're able to, to achieve far greater impact on the world, on, on what you're building, uh, than, uh, you know, than just going at it yourself. And, and, and I think what's really interesting is, you know, this culture and, and, and how we operate internally at ShakeBay. You know, obviously that's that's not very public but um you know it certainly gets me excited to, to, to see that like I, I actually think we can pull this off you know maybe a couple of years ago had you asked me you know had you you know what you know what's the aspiration of the company early on you know you you're, there's a lot more of like the fake it till you make it feeling and mm-hmm. um you know certainly like with with any more progress that you get in uh you know going towards your mission um it it becomes more probable, like the expected value gets, gets much higher. And, and I think you're, we're at the point now where, you know, uh, uh, maybe Bitcoin is, is too big to fail, right? Like it's too big to ban or something. Maybe we'll talk about that. Um, but certainly it feels like, uh, you know, shake pay in, in the, uh, in the space in Canada is, uh, is uh, too big to ignore. And, uh, that was not true a couple of years ago. Yeah. So is, I mean, is the goal here to become the dominant Canadian financial institution ultimately i mean I what, think, what is um, what's in your mind when you make these commitments to you know the success of the company basically well i mean i think i think um you know when we think of like the bitcoin golden age it really is about getting 
Canadians on a Bitcoin standard. It's getting Canadians to think of Bitcoin as a savings account. It's getting people to want to accumulate Bitcoin um, with their, you know, with their with their savings or with their excess cash. And and I think, uh, you know, th- you know this this goes deep, but I think I think the result of that is, uh, you know, it's 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 everything about becoming a Bitcoiner, right? Lowering your time preference, you know, setting aside today for the future, and and all that stuff, and. Uh, and I've certainly seen this transformation in in myself to start. Uh, you know, before before Bitcoin, I was, uh, you know, you'd, you'd spend more money than you'd make, and you know, mm. I, we we could talk about all those transformations. Um, but I, I've, you know, once you go down this rabbit hole, like everything opens up. It's it's a whole new world. Uh, you know, your values change. Your your ability to 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 forecast or project into the future changes, and uh, and I think, and I've seen that. And not only in myself, you know, on, on Bitcoin Twitter, this is this is the common theme, but also in the people around me. And uh, and I think, or at least the, the hypothesis here is that if we can get people to think of Bitcoin as their savings account um, and we get them going down the rabbit hole, uh, maybe just maybe we, you know, you change the culture, you get people on a on a on a lower time preference, uh, thinking, you know, further out into the future. And that should in some way usher in some kind of a, a golden age. And um and so that's what we're trying to do. And I think the way we're trying to do it is by building this neobank, right? This Bitcoin neobank or so we're calling it. And um, and so I don't know if I'm answering the question, but uh, and so I, and so I think that's what we're trying to do. You know, being this biggest financial institution in Canada, maybe, you know, the big five banks, you know, they're they're what it's seven to 15 million customers. So we're what, like an order of magnitude away. Maybe we get there. I think big these big banks get relegated to like the post office, right? Yeah. You know, back yeah. in the day, you, it was you know they, the the mail would come two three times a day, right? Um, you'd send you'd send a message. It'd be a postcard. It'd, you know the the you'd have to go to the post office. Um, and uh, and today, you know, we obviously communicate through the internet quite a bit more. That's relegated to you know just being there if you need it. I think it. I think it happens a lot with, I, I think it happens exactly the same with, with the banks. And yeah. I think we're, we're somewhat, we're somewhat I, held, we're somewhat held by our, uh, cojones. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why the, the service and the products that they offer are so terrible because there's a, there's somewhat of an, a monopoly and there's obviously, um, they've been supported in, in different respects by the government. And so the, the incentives to offer the best products and service are relatively diminished. And, you know, I, again, I, I self-select for a crowd that's most likely critical of the existing financial system, but the people that I talk to, you know, there's a, a strong disdain for the banks. It's not even like, you know, Oh, whatever, it's a bank. It, it serves its function. It's like, no, I, I basically hate these institutions because they're so horrible and the experience with them is so horrible. And then, you know, with, with, a, with what you guys are doing, you know, by and large, the experience is awesome. It's smooth, it's clean, it's simple. The service is great. The products are, are really good. So, I mean, if we're just talking about one order of magnitude between you and, and those dinosaurs, I'm, I'm bullish on you guys, you know, basically. I'm all in, man. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned about company culture that's so, that must be, it's not that you don't have to do, you don't have to work to cultivate it. But one of the great things about the Bitcoin space is like, 
being in Bitcoin is if, if you're a Bitcoiner, if you if you see the thesis, if you see what's going on here, you really want to commit yourself to accelerating the transition to a Bitcoin denominated world. And so, you know, you the, the buy in that you must get from the people that you welcome on board must be fairly different from your average company, because like, you know, maybe you can motivate people to be really jazzed about some SaaS product that's going to make like CRM easier. But, you know, ushering in a golden age is quite a different thing entirely. Right. So, I mean, what do you guys do to add on to that, to cultivate, you know, the culture that you guys have? Yeah, this is hard. This is hard. It, it reminds me of, uh, uh, you know, reading, reading the Bitcoin is Venice book and it was talking about, uh, uh, you know, Nick Carter on, on a, on a podcast talking about how to build like an apple pie. Like how would you, how would you, uh, how would you build an apple pie from scratch? And, uh, you know, his response was, uh, well, first you have to reinvent the universe. Um, right. And, uh, and it's something like that because, you know, th this mission is not right. You know, facilitating, you know, customer transaction, you know, it's not, it's not like the mission is not esoteric to just the company it very much is this like wider impact and, um, I find it hard to be honest. There's always, there's always these, um, there's always these, uh, uh, these moments where you're hard, you know, you're, you're interviewing someone, um, and, uh, you know, they're not a Bitcoiner, right? They've, they're the, you know, they, they haven't been through the rabbit hole. They like, they don't get it. Maybe they're a customer of ShakePay, but it's, it's very early in their stages. And, you know, can you, there's always this potential, right? Like, can they become this proponent of the mission? And I think that's the question that we ask. And I think, I think this is what we've done really, really well is getting, uh, even no coiners, uh, to become true believers of, of the mission. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I guess I worried early on that, uh, that, uh, you know, if you didn't hire hardcore Bitcoiners, uh, you would lose that sense of, uh, of, of, of purpose in, in the company and, and, you know, the overall purpose, the mission of, of the company. Um, but it, you know, I guess through necessity, you, you know, you, you have to hire people, right? early days, not so many Bitcoiners that are very, very specialized in all these different functions that live in mm. Canada that, that, you know, that are Bitcoiners for, for Canada. And, um, and so, and so, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think over time in some way, like at ShakePay living or working at ShakePay has this, uh, has this effect on you. It gets you closer and closer down the rabbit hole, right? Maybe in some way there's, you know, how how much of a Bitcoin are you? It's, it's a scale, and we're just getting people closer and closer. And um, you and know, I think that's oh good. Not good. You, you got. I, I, I think I think that's I think that's interesting because you know also also what we're trying to do is is not just that internally, right? Like we're we're trying to do that externally to Canada, right? If if anything, ShakeBase is a way to get Canadians on a Bitcoin standard, um, but it's also a way to get. Canadians down the rabbit hole to understand and believe in the mission, right? The company's mission has to be, uh, has to be echoed outside. And, um, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe that's part of the skill that we've learned how to do internally that, that we do, you know, that we do externally also. And, uh, and maybe that's why there's, there's so much benefit to it. One of the things that I've been talking about lately is, you know, the, the early Bitcoin adopters, were very much ideologically aligned or very much interested in monetary history or economics or this, you know, libertarianism and cap cypherpunk, you know, it, it, those were the, the super low hanging fruit. But I think as this 
moves further into mainstream culture. And of course, as the the raison d'etre of Bitcoin becomes more apparent in a in a you know in a fiat system that is perhaps reaching its its apex, you know, inflation is off off the charts and things are kind of unraveling, then you know, Bitcoin's uh, thesis becomes more obvious to people. But I really think that, you know, the thing that brings in the next 7 billion or, you know, 7.5 billion or, you know, what, whatever the number is, however many Bitcoiners there are in the world today, I think it is that uh, not necessarily the technical or economic thesis, it's being a part of a culture that is more hopeful, more healthy, more optimistic, more productive, more well-balanced, like all these different, you, we're going to dig into some of them, but you referred to like the changes that occur individually as you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and you start, you know, and generally speaking, they're quite positive, right? You know, maybe it's, you take a different approach to your health, or maybe it's your take a different approach to the relationships in your life or, you know, your spirituality even, or all these different things that you start to see a little bit differently and then start to slowly upgrade. And whether it's a company culture or even a broader like counterculture that seems to be emerging, I think a lot of people are just going to start looking at it and be like, I want that, that over there. Yeah. That looks a lot more, yeah. uh, that look, I, I want to be a part of that more than like the nihilistic, depressed, hopeless anxiety, you know, ridden culture that pervades like, you know, the Twitter sphere or, or the dominant culture in the world today. Like I want something that's healthy and optimistic and hopeful and, and, that kind of thing. And I think that's going to draw a lot of people in and then they'll, you know, then maybe they'll understand or, or go down the rabbit hole and understanding, understanding the economic and monetary case for Bitcoin. But I, I think the cultural attributes or aspects that are emerging are becoming far more appealing even than, you know, the hardcore technical reasons why Bitcoin exists. I, uh, I met your dad in Miami this year and, um, your dad said exactly this, right? I mean, you know, we chatted for a few minutes and he was saying that you know, everyone that he'd met at Miami was so hopeful, was so optimistic. Mm. I think he, he referred it to Woodstock or, or something like that, <laughs> or like our, 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 you know, our, our generation's Woodstock. And, um, and, uh, and that's right. I think, I think that's right. And I think, I think this is something that we're trying to do at Shake Bay as well. Um, so we're trying, you know, a, a lot of our, maybe back to like one of the original points was that, you know, we're, we're not big on these top down marketing, uh, projects. And, uh, you know, a lot of what we've done has been somewhat replicating w the success of Bitcoin, right? You know, Bitcoin very much is this bottom up, it's just bottom up project. Like it's, you know, it's the individual who bought Bitcoin first, um, because, you know, you didn't have the institutional setup and then it was a family office it was a bit, you know, you know, be able, able to do more risky things. And then it was the institutions and then it was the nation states and so on. And it goes its, its way up. I, uh, you know, maybe in some way we took inspiration from that. And, and I think, I think, I think, I think these, I think these, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think looking, looking at the world through, uh, you know, who do I aspire to? This is where maybe spirituality comes in. You know, who do I aspire to be more like, and uh, you know, you like you said, you see, you see these people that uh, that uh, that are much more, they're much happier, much more optimistic. You know, maybe maybe that's the way to get to get closer to that. I I do I do wonder how how that does flip, right? And it's you know gradually, then suddenly, or something. But you know, how how is it, does it does it happen virtually? Um, does it happen through 
you know, does it have, I don't think it happens top down, right? I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think a nation state making uh, Bitcoin legal tender uh, necessarily makes that, makes that happen. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, how you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Bitcoin is an individual revolution and I agree. I like just by changing the legal tender laws, you're not going to, you're not going to alter people's behavior that much. I mean, I think it's, well, I actually think that the, the best method is to just deregulate money and let the market and individuals in that market determine what they want to use and don't put, you know, additional penalties on different forms of money. But I, I think the culture generally, and this is part of the golden age thesis, will be operating with more pristine price and value signals. And this will, among other things, allow people to make better decisions based on more truthful information. And I think that's going to foster better outcomes, generally speaking. But, you know, I agree. I think the answer to the question is, well, what happened with you and I and, you know, all the other, what we would call now hardcore Bitcoiners. And I think what happened is, is you see this thing and there's an attribute of it that's interesting to you, that's compelling, that solves a problem that you had in your mind that existed. And then as you delve more into it, you start to see just how many, well, just how influential money is generally, but how a money like this, such an upgraded version of money can ameliorate or even fix so many different issues that we are encountering in the world. And sometimes even ones that we didn't even know existed. And then as we continue down that journey, we see how it starts to reframe our own perspective. And if you reframe your own perspective, you change your behavior. And if you change your behavior, you change your life. You know, and this is kind of the slow process of Bitcoin transforming people. And so I, I think that's the only way, because as you say, I mean, it can't be top down. You know, if, if, if it's top down, it's some sort of like... It's lost its purpose. Yeah. Exactly. And it, we're back to fiat, but telling people how to behave and... and what choices to make. So I think it necessarily has to, as, as this culture grows and as the thesis around Bitcoin grows and there's more touch points for it and there's different voices espousing different benefits of it, it'll uh, appeal to a broader and broader and broader variety of people and they'll start their own journey of understanding it and they'll start their own journey of, of change and transformation. And I think that's, that's how it happens. And that way is far more sticky, right? I mean, that's, that's a far more permanent change than just doing something because, you know, the, the master said to do it, you know, th this is your money now use it. Uh, okay. That's not, uh, that's not going to foster lasting change in my opinion. I agree with this. I, uh, maybe the, the one point that I agree with the most is I think it, you know, as it evolves, uh, uh, the discourse evolves to the people that provide to the discourse change too. And when I started, it was, it was, it was Andreas, but that was, that was how we got orange pill was mm -hmm. watching every YouTube video of Andreas reading the books. And, and, uh, and now, you know, there's, there, I mean, there's yourself, I mean, you orange, how many people do you orange pill? You, do you ever, do you have like this metric in your mind? Like, Oh, you know, because of my, you know, because of my work, this many people are, are now better off. And, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, I guess you don't, but <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that metric is much, much higher than I think you, you think it is because this is, this is, I think the way, yeah, I mean, I think this is the way that, that, 
that people get down the rabbit hole. It's, it's hearing people speak about it. There's always like a different insight, a different way to convey that message that, uh, you know, if it was just one person, if it was just, uh, you know, the leader talking about Bitcoin, you wouldn't quite get. And uh, it's the development of those metaphors of the memes, right? It, it's basically, mm-hmm. it's like meme warfare, right? Can we, can we create the, the sticky enough memes that are true enough that uh, it gets people to just, oh, that's interesting. And yeah, uh, yeah and I think, I think educators in the space do a phenomenal job of it, including yourself. So uh, thank you. Yeah, keep, I keep appreciate it. that. But, you know, you know, one of the interesting things about Bitcoin is, of course, people try to, you know, make memes and try to spread the good word, as it were. But so much of this is inspired, you know, like what Bitcoin represents is inspiring people. And is, is even like a lot of these memes, a lot of the writing that comes out of this space. I mean, you could almost make the argument that like it's some it's revelation is too strong a, a term but like th- th- this is bu- this is bubbling up within people and they're like i just need to express it in some way i mean as you said i mean back in the day it was like andreas and a few other people and now like you know so many people are writing articles and books about bitcoin and they're generating memes or they're starting podcasts and for no other reason that like these epiphanies are emerging in their mind and they just need to like clarify them or crystallize them in some form, whether it be writing or spoken word or whatever, almost for themselves. And then they're finding like, oh, like other people appreciate when it's structured in this way and it brings more clarity or understanding to what we're trying to, what is perhaps an endless rabbit hole. So there's, there's like the, the available space for more and more ways of interpreting this and different perspectives on it, you know, might be endless because this thing is so consequential in so many different realms. And it's just, it's so fascinating to me that like, and I hear it all the time, you know, because if you have a reasonable size, well, if you've been engaged in the work that I've been engaged in, like people hit you up on Twitter all the time. They're like, Hey man, I just wrote this article about X about uh, Bitcoin. Can you have a look and tell me what you think? And it's always just amazing that people are just inspired by this thing to do it not for the financial reward not for notoriety not for any of that it's just like i need to express this somehow and so it, it, i mean how do you how do you stop something like that that's inspiring people to that to that degree i don't know it's uh it's uncensorable and unstoppable and unstoppable speak speaking of you know even though we've basically just said that the the political uh, you know, the political solution or, or political support for Bitcoin is ultimately not, um, you know, not the primary objective. In Canada right now, there's a candidate in Pierre Polyev who seems like he's probably going to be the leader of the Conservative Party. Um, and he's been very vocal recently in support of Bitcoin. Now, I think he uses the term crypto to not maybe uh, alienate people in that industry in Canada because it's, you know, there's still a broader crypto industry. Um, But what are your thoughts on what he's been saying and the responses he's been getting and, you know, the fact that a a politician has emerged in Canada that has a, a chance to be even prime minister who's supportive of Bitcoin? I, uh, I'm actually fascinated, you know, a year ago, 
or something, or even six months ago, some of December, you know, we're talking internally at the company about, you know, how do we, you know, what happens if we don't get to the, what are things that can go wrong to get, to not get us to the, to this Bitcoin golden age? And, um, you know, we're talking about like, there's, there's no one, there's no, there's no political benefit to talking about Bitcoin. Um, there's no politician in Canada talking about Bitcoin. You have it in the U S but you don't have it in Canada. And I think that was a bit of a worry of mine that, uh, you know, it, it hadn't really made its way there. And, um, yeah, quite surprised. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, Pierre, um, I'm, I'm not a very political person. I'm, I'm not involved at all, but, uh, but I think, and I, I have a bunch of thoughts on this. I think, I think it's good to have this discourse that starts higher up. I think it gets people thinking about the things that he's talking about, right? He's talking, you know, he, he came in talking about the problems, right? He didn't come in talking mm-hmm. about Bitcoin. He came in talking about the money printing and the inflation and, um, and then he introduced Bitcoin. And, and I thought that was interesting, an interesting strategy. I, um, I do worry that it does politicize things in Canada a little bit. Um, you know, the current government, you know, the current government is somewhat the opposition. And, um, you know, I, I worry that, you know, so so high so quickly creates this dynamic where well if he's pro bitcoin then we have to be you know vehemently against bitcoin and um as that just that's just a, a general worry of mine but um yeah i think uh you know i think i think you know the company now i think like i said a bit earlier we're, we're, we're quite big in canada and i think i think we're starting to have some influence and um, you know, the company is starting to be a bit more active in, in policy measures, but I, I always think it's important to be somewhat apolitical or, you know, you want the message to be, you want the message to be available for both sides or all sides, I guess in Canada, it's, it's not just two. Um, and, uh, and I, uh, yeah. And I, um, I don't, I don't know if we'll ever get top-down acceptance for Bitcoin in Canada. But uh, I, I certainly think it'd be interesting if if there were some progress there. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And, you know, some people might not like this, but Bitcoin was developed to be basically a non-sovereign, non-state money. So it, it shouldn't be reliant on favorable regulations and policies for its existence or its or its success and i don't think it is but obviously in the world we live in today favorable regulations can can accelerate its adoption yeah, and make it, it, easier it, it doesn't adopt. impede yeah, yeah. I, I i i quite like the trojan horse approach right like i i think yeah i think i think this is somewhat how we think of it in that you know you want bitcoin to be accepted right for shake pay to exist. I mean, we're, we're a fiat company, right? So we exist in, in the fiat legal system. Um, we're not a fiat company. We exist in the fiat <laughs> legal system. Say, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it certainly is easier if, uh, if, uh, you know, bad laws don't get passed to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, freezer accounts or, or to stop, you know, your ability to own Bitcoin and, and whatnot. And so, you know, I certainly think, I certainly think that, uh, I certainly think there, there's ways to impede it. Um, but, uh, yeah, not a fiat company. <laughs> you know, one of the, the things I appreciate about 
pure. And I'm not very political either. Never have been. Don't rely on that domain for solutions. Pretty much disgusted with it all. But um, one of the things I appreciate about Pierre is one, as you said, I mean, he spent a lot of time drilling down on the problem for the last few years about inflation and and money printing in the Bank of Canada, et cetera. But even still, like, you know, let, let's assume that that Bank of Canada number is correct and 13% of Canadians own Bitcoin. It's still very risky. And I think that was proven in one of the, or in the uh, leadership debates, which I did watch um, in Canada recently, because Pierre, the, the thing I appreciate him, about him is that I think he says what he believes to be right and true. And that's so, so refreshing because most politicians don't do that. They're always playing the game of like, oh, well, what should I stay away from? What should I say and not say so that I don't, you know, aggravate the wrong group of people and diminish my chances? I feel like he, if he believes it to be true, he says it. And obviously there's a cost to that. And one of the costs was when he said that in the debates and in his, you know, uh, rhetoric leading up to them, every other one of the candidates, you know, attempted to attack, attack him for it. And then, of course, you know, the, the CBC, the, the government propaganda arm, which he's been critical of as well, you know, in there, I, th I thought, I mean, I'm not surprised by this at this point, but in their um, recap, like the intro to the recap of the conservative leadership debates, uh, they gave a little clip of every single person in the, in the like the 20, 20 second lead up to the to the actual, you know, five minute news story on it. And the clip that they used from every single candidate was criticizing Pierre about his stance <laughs> on Bitcoin, you know? So they're, they're very clearly uh, anti Pierre for a number of reasons, but all that to say, I appreciate the, the courage it takes to say something that he knows there's a lot of misunderstanding around and that a lot of people don't understand what Bitcoin is and why it exists and how it can help resolve some of the issues that most countries are facing. But he says it because I think he believes it to be true and he wants to bring more attention to it. So, again, I don't hold my breath for political solutions to any of this stuff. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's better than the, uh, the alternative in Canada, which would be, you know, well, actually, may, maybe I should ask you this. What is the regulatory environment like for Bitcoin in Canada? Like, have, have things been getting worse or better in, in recent years? Uh, ju just on the, on the, on the Pierre point. Um, uh, well, that skipped my mind. So, um, yeah, on, on the on the on the regulatory front, well, I, I think there's look, I think there's confusion around Bitcoin and crypto, right? I think this is, I think um, you know, I think it's it's very easy for people who don't understand to lump it all together, right? Oh, Terra, you know, they lost the a stable coin lost its peg, people lost money. Um, that's the same thing as Bitcoin, and so we'll bunch it all up together and regulate it in the same way. And, uh, and so I think, I think that's my general worry about Bitcoin in the space is that it, it advocates for Bitcoin in the same context as crypto. It's easy to lump them together. And, um, and I think, I think that's the higher level maybe just on, on the like lower level operational side, you know, obviously on, on our side and the companies is regulated. Um, and, um, I don't, I don't think much has changed in, in the last bit, but, um, so it's not been more difficult for you to operate as a Bitcoin company in, you know, like things are pretty. We have a big legal team. Practice. We have a big compliance team. <laughs> you know, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is kind of par for the course, but 
Um, I, I don't, I don't know that it's difficult. Maybe certainly for, for a company like Shape, you know, if, if you want to start a company today, I think it would be much harder. So I think it, it is, it does act as barriers to entry. Um, you know, companies like Shape are regulated in, in multiple ways, right? Money service business, like at the, at the, at the FinTrack and, uh, at the FinTrack level on the security side, uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, uh, there's some regular regulatory scrutiny there and, uh, we're we're in that process of of, of becoming uh, registered, um, but uh, but I think for a company that's starting from scratch today, I think it's much much harder. Given that uh, you know, not just on the compliance side, but also because there's only five banks. Like how do I get a bank to to be able to offer a service like ShakePay and receive customer deposits and customer money and and whatnot? So. Um, yeah, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think this is ideal. You know, I think, I think the, uh, I think the regulatory world that we live in today very much benefits the bigger companies that are able to, you know, operate in, in, in this kind of space. And that means, you know, either you have, you've raised a lot of money or you've, you know, you already have track record or, uh, or you're a big bank effectively. Right. And, uh, and it makes it easier for the incumbents. And, I'm not a pro, I'm not a proponent of that. I think I think you should have more competition. I think ShakeBay should have more competition. I um yeah I I I do worry I do worry that uh, I do worry that uh, you know Canada in some way might fall behind in that regard. What do you make of the competition in Canada? You know, in your industry, there's a number of exchanges and players and stuff like that. What are your thoughts? Well, I think uh, I think I think a lot of them do things differently. Maybe you know you could you could you could attribute them closer to what you were saying, and that some of them have tons of currencies, you know, fancy trading um, um, products, and and you know th- what they're trying to build is something more akin to maybe a stock market uh, a trading app or, or something like that. Um, yeah, and and maybe for you know for ShakePay, when I look at the competition, you have you have that on one side, right? The ability to trade crypto, and then on the other side, you have you know the challenger banks, right? The neo banks that are building like a nicer user experience just on top of the fiat rails, and mm-hmm. um, there's a few in Canada now. And that's great, but uh, but I think you know I think ShakePay somewhat stands alone in in its in its way of wanting to rebuild banking. Or banking like features, uh, but on top of Bitcoin, and uh, and I think that's that's this like middle ground where it's you know we're not this trading platform, we're not going to add the next crypto, um, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna build fancy charts, um, but we're also on the internet, we're also on Bitcoin, and we're using Bitcoin as as this base and trying to get Canadians to, to adopt Bitcoin, and so yeah, maybe just on that landscape, I think that's how I look at at the competition in Canada. All right, let's, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording in, in respect to, you know, some of the architecture that has been influenced by the fiat era, let's say. What does the Bitcoin golden age mean to you, the company? How do you see it, you know, paint the picture for me? Well, I think, I think the, you know, the first part is that you're, you know, you control your own wealth. You know, I think, I think that's, that's the start of it. And so, you know, maybe at, at some point, ShakePay will offer, you know, uh, like a cold wallet setup where you can own your own keys, you can control your Bitcoin. I, uh, you know, I think the 
I think the technologies here, the products are not. Multi-sig on Bitcoin is is a phenomenal technology, right? You could you could you could really be creative about it. And um I think there's a few products out there that that do this quite well and make it easy for people to have uh you know cold storage setup that is that is usable and secure. But uh, but I think it needs to be I think it needs to be brought to the mainstream. So I think I think that excuse me. I think that um I think that's I think that's going to happen. I think you know once people adopt a Bitcoin standard, when when people lower their time preference, they I don't remember if this was on the recording or before, but they tend to um you know they they, they tend to they tend to uh they tend to build for things that are more than just themselves, right? It's I'm not just building um I'm not just building uh uh I'm not, I'm not just building the, I'm not just building the road because uh, I'm paid to build the road. Um, I'm building this cathedral because, you know, maybe, uh, maybe in, in a hundred years or so, um, someone will figure out how to build a dome on top, right? This is, this is the dome in, 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 uh, in Florence. Uh, you know, they, they wanted to build the biggest cathedral possible. Um, and, um, and the dome lying on top, uh, was, was never designed, it was designed only a hundred years later. They somewhat build these cathedrals, not knowing or not being able to see the end result, and I I find that fascinating because how many things you start today that you will never see complete and work all your life towards, and uh, and and I think I think it's interesting because you know you, you could think about it in in financial um, in financial terms, right? If you if you look at the interest rate that you get. Uh, you know, at, at a, in a savings account versus um, the infl- inflation rate, right? It's negative, right? And so, in some way, you're incentivized to destroy capital and not and not uh, and not accumulate it. You're incentivized to borrow, not to uh, not to save. And I think, I think when uh, you know when you enter a big, when you enter a golden age, um, you know maybe before the golden age, if you adopt a Bitcoin, say if you're an early adopter, that flips for you. Right. And that's maybe where you, you, you gain the most benefit. Your, uh, your interest rate or your ability to accumulate is much, much higher than the inflation rate. And, um, and maybe in some way, that's what changes you. That's, that's, that's the, maybe the, the concept of low time preference. It's, it's your time preference versus the time preference of the world today. And, um, and I think, I think if you're, if you're able to pull the cultural one along with you, um, you know, there's a lot less, uh, there's a lot less top, uh, I don't know. There's, there's a lot less top down. There's a more, a lot more bottom up. You live in cities, you live in citadels, you know, you know, you love thy neighbor. Um, you know, you, um, you care about the streets that you live in. You make sure that they're beautiful. You tend to your garden. And, um, and I think, I think the world changes, through some some version of being a lot more local and a lot being more uh, being a lot more in tune with uh, with the with the world around you, rather than oh you know I'm not going to pick up the garbage. Um, the garbage man is going to come, and I'm delegating that away. Oh, there's a homeless person on the street. I'm not going to help you know shelter him because we have services for that. And um, and I think I think those I think those disconnects right. It's it's I don't know if it, I don't know if it's skin in the game, but it's it's the disconnect between who's responsible versus who is not 
And in some way it's, you know, I'm giving less of charity because I'm already giving away, you know, half my paycheck, uh, to the government. And, um, I think, I think it reorients those incentives back into, I want to build for the better of humanity. And, um, uh, I think this is, you know, it's not, it's not just, um, when, when you look back at, when you, when you look back at, uh, you know, Renaissance Italy, so much was done in, in such a short period of time. Right. And it's not just, um, it's not just money, right. It's not just excess money. You could argue that today we're on average more wealthy per person than we were back then. So why is it that, why is it that so much beauty and so much, I don't know if capital is the right word, but uh, why is it that so much was created 500 years ago that we cannot create today? And, um, I always ask myself that question. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but, uh, but it certainly feels like, uh, it certainly feels like, uh, you know, people doing things that are more than just for the paycheck. Um, you know, they, they aspire to something greater. They, uh, they, um, yeah. Well, it, it begs the question, you know, you said potentially people are wealthier today, but it does beg the question like, well, what do you mean by wealth? If you mean that we have more modern or technological, technologically inspired conveniences, then sure, you know, is life more easy to make materially comfortable? Probably. But is that wealth? Is that what we mean by wealth? You know, I think different periods in our history in different parts of the world can be characterized by like, how much meaning is action imbued with and what does how what kind of representation does that take in the culture and you might say in certain times and places you could say well relatively little meaning and as a result the culture was quite bland and not very dynamic and not much beauty and that kind of stuff and maybe we're partially in one of those right now in other places you could say wow the behavior and actions taken by people was you know highly imbued with meaning and that was reflected in, in the beauty and the behavior and the aesthetics and the fashion and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the 21 million Bitcoin question is what imbues behavior with such meaning? Why are there periods where there's a relative deficiency of it? Or, and why are there periods where there's a relative abundance of it? And, you know, Bitcoiners, the forthcoming statement will Bitcoiners will nod their head and be like, yeah, of course, obviously. And people who are no coiners will think I'm you know, won't know where I'm coming from, but it really seems to be the case that Bitcoin is imbuing the lives of people that understand it with far greater meaning. And I think part of the reason why we see all the memes and all the writing and all the podcasts and all that kind of stuff is kind of like individual efforts, you know, and we observe them or engage in them collectively to understand why that is, what's going on there. And as you, as you referred to, like, I think the actions that it inspires is a lower time preference, is a greater responsibility for one's own life and their environment. And this manifests in taking care of yourself better and in making yourself more available to help your neighbor, for example. But the question is, is like, where is that inspiration ultimately coming from? You know, and I often talk about and reflect on the principles that I think are most represented in Bitcoin being truth and an irrefutable, immutable truth and how that truth leads to access to, to freedom and sovereignty for people in a, in a manner that perhaps has never been available before. 
And that seems to be inspiring a lot of these changes in behavior. And I'm sure there's far more to it than that. But the punchline is, is that, you know, in reference to the tagline that you guys have been using in the Bitcoin golden age, what does it look like when people's behavior is more imbued with meaning as a result of this underlying system of value storage and transfer to, to uh, far understate Bitcoin's function? What does it look like when that meaning is amplified more so than it's ever been in the past, inclusive of the Renaissance era? And notwithstanding, you know, there's the chronology of, of human civilization and culture has an influence on, on, you know, why things emerge when they do. And there's, it's not just the money, let's say, but I think it's far more the money than a lot of people previously realized or gave credit to. And so if that is the case, I mean, it's, it's almost hard to imagine the, the degree of improvement from our current state that will take place when we're on a different base layer and when people's lives seem to be increasingly imbued with meaning. You know, like we were joking earlier about the memes, right? And how Bitcoin is just inspiring them. You know, it's not even like people are trying to pitch Bitcoin to people. It's just like they can't help themselves. They got to they gotta do these memes. And like, I, I don't see a huge difference. And this might sound extremely absurd to people, but I don't see a huge difference between like a silly meme and a beautiful Renaissance cathedral, for example. Like, I think there's a similar motivation behind the two. The cathedral is, you know, far more advanced and perhaps there's far greater clarity around the meaning that's motivating the behavior. And, you know, it becomes a devotional exercise almost, you know, and you, you want to transmute that meaning into beauty in the world. And that's awesome. And I think just by virtue of the fact that Bitcoin is still so young and novel and new and the way in which it's upgrading people's perspective and imbuing their lives with meaning is in such early days that it's taking a very rudimentary form right now. But I, I think over the course of time, the quote unquote, let's say, devotional efforts or the, the ways in which meaning is, is, it, is imbued in people and then exterior, externalized in the world will take on increasingly complex or dynamic or grand or beautiful form. So you see, you see meaning upstream of everything else in some way. Like that, that, that might be like the input to everything else. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of the opposite because if you're, it's kind of the opposite of nihilism, right? And if you're extremely nihilistic, you know, your, your perspective is like, well, what's the point in doing anything? What's the point in making anything beautiful? What's the point in taking my time with anything? Because none of it matters. The opposite is thinking there's a deep meaning to be discovered. And if I can discover it and genuinely feel it and align with it, it's probably going to be the case that my actions are going to be devoted to it in some way. Or they're gonna they're they're gonna try to be a representation of it in some way, and so you know the the higher the degree of meaning, probably the the more beautiful, the more truthful, or the more yeah, the, the more those things that my action is going to be reflective of, almost necessarily, right? Because it forms the basis of, of of how we see the world. And how do you how do you see people change? Kind of. The, the term is like level of meaning or how much meaning in, in the world they, that they feel. Um, how, how do you see people change that? 
How have you seen people change that? Um, a gradual process, I guess, is the answer that comes to mind. But, you know, again, deep in the Bitcoin rabbit hole and as in, in Bitcoin land as we both are, I see people just at, attempting to grapple with this form of novelty that's entered their consciousness that is Bitcoin and, and the different attributes and implications of it. And in an attempt to properly contextualize it, to put, to, you know, to, to grasp it, to understand it, they're forced to revisit, you know, so many different domains of knowledge and wisdom in life, be it, you know, mathematics or economics or spirituality or philosophy, like all these things seem to be required to properly contextualize and understand what this thing is. And that journey alone, that process alone can be transformative because you, you, in some cases reacquaint, but in, in most cases, uh, for the first time in, uh, encounter certain ideas that through contemplation can be quite transformative. And so meaning is a process of discovery, I guess, right? You encounter information, wisdom, insight, epiphany, data in the world, and then you try to filter it through your own existing, you know, knowledge and perceptual filter. And over the course of time, based on its, um, perhaps based on its efficacy in the world or the results that, uh, that the, the, <laughs> the circumstances that result from um, integrating these things in, into your perspective, they end up being positive or good. And as a result, you, you pursue them even more. You pursue a greater understanding of them and you, then you integrate them even more. And that seems to be the process of, of change that takes place. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, it seems that Bitcoin is a tremendous accelerant uh, for that process to take place. And it seems to be upgrading the perspective of a lot of people in very, very fundamental ways. Hence, you know, the assertion that it's going to bring more meaning to people's lives and that's going to be reflected in their behavior ultimately. So something like uh, there's this feedback loop, humans desire meaning. Without Bitcoin, you know, they've found different ways of doing that. Maybe spirituality, maybe, you know, work. Some people find meaning in work. But, uh, but uh, maybe the most potent return feedback, you know, response to, uh, to this desire of meaning is something through Bitcoin, the memes or whatever through Bitcoin. And, um, and, and as that becomes so true and so apparent for, for the individual, oh, you know, there's something weird about this world. You know, this meme tells me so much and, and it, it just gets me closer and closer to, you know, let's call it the truth or, or something. Um, because it's so potent, maybe, you know, the difference between what I thought today and what, what I actually really think deep down, um, that's what, maybe that's what you mean by accelerant. And so, you know, this desire for meaning is fulfilled most by you know, the, the, the stories and the narrative and, and the memes and Bitcoin. And, um, is that, is that, is that a good summary? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to make sense it, of this myself. No, sure. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a perfectly acceptable. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a, it's an acceptable summary. I mean, I, there, I think there's many, there's not a perfect answer to this question yet, which is why we grapple with it so much, you know, but I think part of what's happening is that it's not that like Bitcoin is the end all be all, but I think it is 
a representation of certain values that seem to be incredibly fundamental. And by virtue of the form that they take in Bitcoin, they allow you to interact with the world on a more truthful basis. And so you, you, for lack of a better term, perhaps you upgrade your perception with greater clarity. You know, there's this system and the, and the ideals or principles that are, that it represents allows you to just kind of interface with the world in a more truthful manner. And when that happens, you know, by vert, perhaps, you know, kind of definitionally about truth is like when that happens, you gain, gain greater access to whatever fundamental value exists out in the world because you're interfacing it with a greater, with less obfuscation, with less noise, with, with more pristine signal. And if there is any kind of fundamental great value in the world, then perhaps it allows you to perceive it more clearly. And of course, this is, I think, part of the reason why people revisit religion and spirituality often seems to, or it seems to be an emerging trend in Bitcoiners is because it, it, it kind of makes you confront the question, is there a fundamental value in the world? Is everything just relativistic and subjective or is, I mean, does absolute value, for example, exist? And what does it look like? And how does it influence us? And where is it to be found? And how should I integrate it? And how do I see it more clearly? And these are all like some of the most consequential questions that human consciousness can, can ask. And it seems to be the case that the Bitcoin rabbit hole leads you to them. And here we are, you know, fumbling around them, trying to gain greater, greater clarity on them. And I mean, you, this is not something that, you need to comment on it if you don't want to, but I like I know this has at least been partially the case for you as well, right? So maybe the question is better: How has this process unfolded in your own mind and like in your own thinking? Yeah, I mean, cer certainly pushed me to ask like the bigger questions in life. I think you, you, you hinted at that. You know, what what are we here for? What are we doing? What what is meaning? Right? I in some way you you ask yourself why is why is YOLO a meme today? Where uh, you know, in the, in, uh, you know, in the Bible, you know, you're somewhat supposed to live forever. Everything that you do is, is supposed to, you know, live on in, into eternity. Um, you know, the, there's very, very deep discrepancy here. Right. And, uh, and I am, I'm not, I'm not as, I'm not as, I'm not as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not as far as I, I think I should be, but, um, I, I think I'm still just asking those questions of, you know, where, where, where do, where do I, where do I pull, um, where do I pull morality? What is, you know, I think, I think this is where, you know, I think Jordan Peterson and, and Sam Harris a couple of years back had quite a bit of discussion about this stuff and, you know, what is true, right? What is true? What is, what is true? And, um, you know, there's true in science and there's true in, in, in this pragmatic sense of, you know, helping you live longer or, uh, helping you live better. And, um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't have the answers, but it, but it feels like, it feels like, um, it feels like, uh, you know, these questions have not been asked, I guess in, in my generation very often, but it feels like it had a while back, you know, uh, religion is, is what, you know, millenniums. You know, since since we've since we've started as old as form. civilization, yeah. right? There's there's you know there's 
and and we've been debating about this kind of stuff. I mean, you know, it's 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 not to say that we're smarter today. We're not smarter today. We're we're just as smart today. If these discussions have gone have been have have been you know have have been going on for for a while now and it feels like we had more answers before than we do today. Um and uh, maybe that's, you know, facing the truth. Uh in in ways that that uh maybe we're I you know maybe we 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 don't today. I I guess I'm getting very abstract. Um but uh it's yeah, kind it, of inevitable down at this depth of of the rabbit hole. So <laughs> don't feel bad about it. But it's I mean I I agree. And and this is this is part of the this is the odd aspect of this phenomenon, right? You come for number go up, you come for separating money and state, and you wind up, you know, at the most fundamental questions regarding truth and value and freedom and, you know, how we should be understanding these things. And I agree with you. I, I think we, I do think that the, the way that language and culture evolves equips us better to gain greater clarity around these things over time. You know, and the example I often use is, you know, a caveman, you know, uh, painting therianthropic figures on a wall or outlining his hand is like this beginning of this feedback between a self, you know, how we refer to ourselves via creating things, by creating ideas and conceptions and, and symbols in the out exterior world. And then how there's that feedback loop that we, we use that to increasingly complexify our ability to represent at all. And so I do think that as we move forward with, with culture and with language and music and art and all these things, we become more equipped to understand the deeper questions, but it doesn't, it's, it's not, it doesn't happen by default. Like we can, the tools are there, right? The, the tools, tools are there. Are increasingly not, there. Yep. And we move off course. And, and to your point, I think at a, at a minimum in those prior periods where these discussions were more robust and, and the average person was more interested in them, I think there was at a minimum more humility uh, because I think in the, the current era in our modernity and in the technological advancement that we have, I think we've developed a hubris around uh, some of these questions. And as a result, we've, we've kind of just thrown them away as if they're not even important. And I think what the current state of the world is probably telling us is that we've dismiss those questions to our great detriment. And I, I think the reason why a lot of us are starting to reconverge on them is because we realize that there's a great benefit to, to continue to try to understand them better and a great risk at not doing so. And, you know, if Bitcoin isn't somehow part of bringing these conversations around meaning and value and truth and freedom back into greater consciousness and awareness such that we can refine them better Then great. You know, maybe we don't even need to know why it's happening, but just the fact that it's inspiring it in some way is good probably. Yeah. It's like asking the question, what is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin? <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I've been, I've been in Bitcoin for a couple, you know, what's 2013 is, is probably when I, when I got introduced. Um, I'm still learning about Bitcoin today. It, it always fascinates me that there's always this, this additional depth to it that, uh, I don't know if we have time to talk about this, but man, like Satoshi 
there, there's so many, there's so many, there's so many incredible things that happen with, with, uh, you know, the Genesis block in that, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was so well designed Bitcoin and, um, the story of Satoshi disappearing and still being, still being away. Uh, it, it feels like it was any, anyway, just, um, <laughs> It just feels, it just, it just feels, it just feels like there's genius behind it. And maybe that's, uh, and maybe that's enough. Yeah. Well, there certainly feels like they're genius behind it. Where, what I, where I thought you were going to go and where I think maybe you probably wanted to go was that there was something providential behind it. You know, there was, there was something divine behind it in a, in a, you know, and I know, I was trying most to find the people, words. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know most people are extremely averse to that uh, type of language and I can understand and appreciate why, but it, I mean, so many different aspects of this thing, you're like, something else is going on, right? This, it's just too, it's too perfect how everything unfolded, you know, and maybe, and you know, maybe that's just the, the majesty of reality and the, 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 the the serendipity and the coincidence that we can't explain. But if there is a role for the notion of, of divinity in the world, um, maybe Bitcoin was touched by it in some way, you know, cause it certainly as, as my, uh, my colleague and friend often says, Gigi, there, there are no coincidences. So who knows, who knows? Um, where do you think, to bring you back down to uh, earth to kind of close this thing out, where do you think, how do you see um, the company in the next five to 10 years? I know we've touched on this a little bit already, but like, you know, what kind of things will you be doing scale? Like what, what is your ambition now that you've raised a bunch of capital and, you know, you can really put the pedal to the metal basically. Yeah. You'll, you'll see new products coming out. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're essentially rebuilding consumer products, consumer financial products, right? So just the card is the first one, um, but we'll, we'll replace everything. And so you asked for payroll. Yep. It's coming. Um, and, um, and so, and so I think, you know, in the next five years, uh, you know, certainly, certainly there, uh, you know, these new products get rebuilt on Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin is this denominating factor of every one of these products. We think it's the best reward. It's the best way to save your money. You know, it's the best of everything. And so, how do we get how do we get people adopting Bitcoin? It's to get people thinking of Bitcoin as a as a savings account. And um, and so and so and so, yeah. Um, I think on on the marketing and community, you know, community side, you know, it's very much getting more Canadians to orange pill their friends. Um, we're uh, so I if you saw this, but in in uh, in shaking sats now, there's like some. Uh, we have this thing called secret sats, which is this like extension of shaking sats that allows you to perform tasks and earn some extra Bitcoin. And, uh, oh. we're going to, we're, we're going to start using this as, as a way to educate customers about Bitcoin. Um, what kind of so, tasks? Oh, I mean, right now it's, it's very mundane, right? Uh, I think, I think one of the first few is, you know, follow us on Twitter. Um, so you follow on Twitter, you get extra sats, you, uh, you, uh, you use the card for the first time, you get some sats. But I think, um, I think the way we're trying to build it is, is some kind of like an educational portal where, uh, hey, you know, watch this short clip video about Bitcoin. And, uh, and, it's, and, it's, and it's folks in the Bitcoin community 
giving some kind of a lesson around Bitcoin. And so if you're interested, uh, we'd love to have you and you'd be uh, front and center in the app. I think, uh, I think we're, 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 we're still designing it now, but, uh, but yeah, you know, I think, I think it's, it's very much, it's very much around this idea of like, we want to create more Bitcoiners. We want to get people closer and closer to the rabbit hole and guide them down. And, um, and yeah, I think there's going to be so many great opportunities for gamification is the wrong word, but basically when you introduce sats into the mix of, of all this like online attempting to incentivize certain behaviors and stuff like that, when, when the carrot is sats and not, as you said earlier, like air miles or points or, or whatever, like, I think that opens up a whole new realm because of the, the, the gravity or the attractiveness of sats for people that really start to get it. You know, there's going to, you get it, you could get someone to do anything if you, if you, you know, throw a few sats at them because people, they're, they're such a desirable commodity basically. So it's going to be very interesting to see all the different uh, things that are enabled by using sats as the, the reward or the incentive for, for certain behaviors or actions. Um, is Canada like your guys's main focus for the foreseeable future? You're not looking to branch out. You basically want to dominate Canada and then, you know, look at things after that's been achieved. Yeah. A big, big fan of focus. Um, and, um, you know, we have a million Canadians on, on shake pay, uh, 30, 37 million to go. And, and so, you know, very much, very much believe that, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the impact that we can have is outsized by the focus that you have and the product that you build and the consumers, customers that you, that you attract and the market that you, that you attack. And so, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we'll start with Bitcoin. We'll, we'll start with Bitcoin in, in, in Canada, you know, maybe, uh, at some point in the future when, when that's accomplished, we'll, we'll go elsewhere. And could someone shake you out of shake pay? Could someone could a Greg Foss come along and put together a consortium and buy you guys out? Or as we were talking about building for building the cathedral that you may never get to, you know, live under or pray under, are, are you in this for forever basically? Yeah. I, I think this will be my life's work. Um, very much believe in, uh, yeah, I very much believe in focus and, you know, even, even on the side, you know, I, I wouldn't even know what else to do. Uh, you know, I think there's a very famous Zuckerberg quote where, you know, he rejected the, the Yahoo, uh, acquisition where, you know, why would I accept it? I would just go and and create my own, a, another social media company. Um, and it feels like, it feels like we're, you know, we've built something really, really special at ShakePay. Um, you know, how far can this go? And, uh, well, you know, I'm dedicated to that. So pretty excited. Yeah, me too. Um, what's been the just a, a couple more and I'll let you go, but what's been the, the, the biggest takeaway, you know, the biggest thing you've learned as a result of being on this journey, but it's still relatively short. I mean, you've been doing it for five, six years, I guess, something like that. I mean, what's, you know, or I could, I could even say, you know, what's been the kind of the hardest thing you've had to, to confront and what's been the thing that you've, you know, you felt you've learned most about being on this journey. Well, I think on the, you know, we talked about the Bitcoin stuff. I think on, on the company journey, you know, the, the difficulty is, you know, as CEO, you're, you're, you're always expected to keep growing, growing faster than the company grows. And, uh, and so maybe it answers both of your questions, um, because it certainly is the most interesting, but also the most difficult. 
in that, you know, in the early days of the company, uh, when you're five people at the company, right, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, your skills, the skills required are very generalist skills, right? Answer the customer support, be the guy on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I used, I was coding the front end at Shake Bay. So it's doing a lot of things just to will this thing into existence. And, um, and then as the company scales, you know, the, uh, the people in the company are become more more specialized in what they do, right? And so there's a head of security and there's finance and HR, and, and they become more specialized and, and better at, at it than what they do. But my role has always been having to grow and learn, okay, this is how you, this is how you operate a company at five, 10, 50, 100 people. And um, it's been a challenge, not to say that I'm doing it well, but, uh, but certainly, <laughs> certainly brings meaning uh, to my life and, uh, in ways that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that you get, if you don't start a company because, you know, the expectation is that it's you, it's only you, and there is no alternative. And so you have to perform. Whereas, um, you know, if you, you know, if, if you join a company you know, that expectation is, is maybe not there. If you don't do your job, like it's okay. So maybe someone else will do it. And so, you know, maybe this is a, maybe this is a, a pitch to joining like a fast growing company because, you know, in some way there's, there's always more work. There's always more responsibility. There's always more meaning, um, that, uh, that, that that's out there than that, than can actually be done with, uh, with the people there. And, uh, and it, and it forces you just to learn, you know, you, you get some tidbit from some article that you read, you go, you try it. Is it true? Is it not? If it's true, great. You've added that to your, to your arsenal. And it's just this iterative process of, uh, of, uh, of leveling yourself up. So I, I find that, I find that incredibly difficult, uh, yeah. but incredibly meaningful. I can imagine. I hate to ask kind of like a Tim Ferriss sort of question, but given that kind of high pressure, high stakes, uh, scenario where you, you're forced to evolve into greater and greater responsibility or, or um, you know, capabilities in different regards, have you done any things in particular to help foster the, you know, your ability to do so like routines, practices, anything that helps you step into those roles more easily? Assume yeah, that responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. The, the routine, I mean, the routines come in handy, right? You, you, you want the, you want the, gr the, the great ones. Um, uh, you know, I, 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 I try to sleep well. I work out. Um, I, uh, I eat meat. Uh, I've been, uh, I've been a Bitcoin carnivore for, for almost five years now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's been a while. And, um, and, and yeah, and I think, I think it's, it's like all these inputs into, you know, who is, it's like asking the question, like, who, what do I need to do to be at peak performance all the time? And, uh, and, you know, you find the things that, that, that work for you. I, I tried a bunch of things, you know, heavy in, on meditation, um, Vipassana meditation at, at some point. Um, but, uh, but I think you, you know, you, you kind of find the things that work and, and then you just never, just never stop. You don't let go. Those are the things that, you know, if you get right, you know, everything else works well. Yeah. Well, man, I'm sure, uh, we could continue this for hours and go into even weirder aspects of the rabbit hole, but for the sake of people listening and, you know, I'm sure you have many things on your plate today. We'll, uh, we'll shut it down before we do, you know, any last words or final comments or places you want to direct people before we 
close it off? Uh, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, help. I'm, I'm sure the audience is a bit more, you know, advanced in, in the Bitcoin world, you know, maybe help find, uh, find one person and, 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 and give them, get them closer down the rabbit hole, for, give them some truth to the meaning they're seeking. Uh, maybe that's, that's the way to, to put it. Ooh, so, uh, that is a good yeah. way to put it. All right, man. Well, look, I, as always, I appreciate the time. It's always great to connect. I'm super, uh, happy, excited, proud of what you guys have built with ShakePay. It's, it's phenomenal. And I've, uh, onboarded a lot of people to that platform, people that I, that are close to me that I want to be stacking sats. You guys have made it super easy for me. So I appreciate that. And I can't wait to see, you know, what comes next for you guys. I know it's probably going to be big things and I'm, uh, I can't wait to see it. So congrats and, and keep up the awesome work. Thanks, man. Same to you. All right, brother. Talk soon. I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion with Jean. It's incredible to see how quickly they've been growing, as well as how committed he and the team are to getting as many Canadians as possible onto a Bitcoin standard. If you'd like to hear more from Jean, follow him on Twitter at A-I-O-U-Y and visit shakepay.com to learn more about the awesome work he and the team have been doing. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Closing the Loop, and we'll see you next time.